0: Yep. Welcome to another fun filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I'm Sydney Brown. Yes, folks, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's, CK80. that's SidKid80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80.
1: You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube first. Videos drop every Monday and every Friday. Once again, videos drop right here on YouTube every Monday and every Friday at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media right here on YouTube. Uh, Podcast version of this program, the audio version for you simple folks at home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can search for that at War on Anchor, which drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, the audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor, which keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio app We are available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support.
1: Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends.
0: Yes, as our friend George Altman says, and we'll say it here subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.
1: That's going to be the secret word. Very good. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's start off with some baseball, as of course we are broadcasting live from Chicago. It was a good weekend for one team. Uh, The Chicago Cubs. We'll get to them in a few minutes, but I want to focus in on the Chicago White Sox. Uh, They did like I expected them to do. Of course, the makeup game was um, from the first series back in April was made up on Friday. Of course, the White Sox split the doubleheader with the Kansas City Royals. The Royals took the the second game on Saturday by the score of five to one. But Sunday's game was a classic as the White Sox came from behind to defeat the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Thanks to Jose Abreu's heads-up playoff, a wild pitch scoring the game, ready to run at home plate. The play was challenged. It was upheld. And the Sox uh, walked it off with a victory split in the fourth-game weekend series. Lakina, a couple of things that that stood out to me. One, Jose Abreu, his leadership, uh, both on and off the field, should be uh, talked about more and what people get credit for. Of course, he was injured in that collision in that first game of the doubleheader uh, last Friday uh, with uh, Rozier of Kansas City. Rozier is now currently on the uh, injured list for the Royals. Jose Abreu didn't play in the second game on Friday, but came back on Saturday, scored the only run of the game with a home run, and then, of course, what happened on Sunday Yeah, he got hit by a pitch in the bottom of the ninth inning in that that comeback victory there. And then, of course, he scored the game-winning run off a wild pitch. Number two, uh, especially during that game on Saturday, I noticed that a whole lot of uh, White Sox players were pressing, especially Yermin Mercedes. Mm -hmm. But when you get down uh, like they were on Saturday, even though they didn't come back to win that game, you cannot get it all back with one long swing in the back. You had to manufacture runs. You had to... Uh, Be aggressive, create chances on offense. And that's what happened on on Sunday. Saturday, they didn't get it done, but Sunday, they got it done. Yerman Mercedes had a good game with with two hits, including uh, the first hit of the bottom of the ninth inning, which created uh, the opportunity for the Sox to win the game. So those are two things that stuck out to me uh, with the White Sox series split uh, last weekend against KC.
1: Well, like I said, I mean, we said it before, Casey, even though they've kind of, you know, tapered off a bit since their hot start earlier in the season, mm-hmm. they were going to still be fit, and they were. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're pitching, they're hitting, you know, they, they still got some guys out there that can, that can play. So, you know, of course, you know, the world is still going to be around for a little bit, you know, to kind of give all the teams in the AL Central fits. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the game, now as far as the series is concerned, I mean, you know, you may or may not have been tagged. Who knows? I mean, people say he might have been tagged. Some people say that he wasn't. So that's a that's a whole other that's a sorry for a whole other podcast. But look, they you know, they split the series, mm-hmm. you know, because if they had lost, if the if the Sox had lost that game, that they you know the Worlds would have won the series. So the Sox were able to come mm-hmm. back and came back, I should say, and get the split. And so you know, they you know, look, I mean, they you know, did what you are supposed to do. I mean, they they got you know timely hitting. They got you know, they got on base, they played, uh, long, they played short ball and long ball, you know, where you made that smart play going for the steal and that wild pitch. So mm-hmm. I think he was able to get you know, the fundamentals, if you will. I think that sort of helped the White Sox sort of keep themselves in that game and, you know, it, you know, it ended up, you know, splitting the series with the Royals. So I, I think, look, this is sort of one of those things where you, you never know what's going to happen when you play your divisional foes. They have the Twins, you know, sorry, on Monday, they got, you know, they get kind of put like the throat put their, their their hand, you know their foot in the throat of the uh mm-hmm. of the twins if you will so we'll, we'll, we'll see I mean look I mean you you saw what what the White Sox can do to win games but then you also saw what the White Sox can do to lose games so it's sort of a mm-hmm. yin yang and I don't want to you know I don't want you know fans to freak out but since they have so so you know so much expectations for this team this year but you know, I think, look, I think this is still a team that's sort of a work in progress. You know, you have Mercedes doing his thing. You know, Brady's doing his thing. Tim Anderson had some tightly hitting, too. So, that, mm-hmm. that helps. So, look, the pitching was pretty solid overall. You know, I know Redon didn't have the best start on Saturday. But, you know what, it, it's, look, I, I think if you're, if you're a White Sox fan, you're happy where you are right now.
0: Uh, correction from what I said, uh, uh, who's, uh had the first hit at the ninth, in, ninth inning. You just brought him up, Tim Anderson. He actually had the first hit uh, in the ninth inning to start off that rally for the White Sox. I want to talk about the play before um, Jose Abreu scored that game-winning run. It was German Mercedes who had that hit. He extended his strike zone, but he got the, the hit out to right field. And with Merrifield, who's their royal second baseman, uh, he played right field, and he played uh, – remember Mercedes, uh, uh, not deep, but shallow. And so he played the ball off of a hop. And Johan um, uh circled around third, and he attempted to score the game-winning one. Of course, he was thrown out at home plate. I don't know. I think uh, the third-base coach is Joe McEwen. I don't know if he put up the stop sign or not. Uh, I was trying to find the video. I didn't see it. If you saw saw something like Keenan uh, uh, Um, regarding that is concerned, please let me know. But uh, I thought it was a a bad play for uh, Yohan Makata to try to score there. I I get it. You try to uh, get uh, aggressive, but you got to know the situation. And Whit Merrifield uh, played it perfectly. He threw out Makata at home play. I know Steve Stone on the White Sox broadcast pointed it out very sharply on Sunday. This is your second baseman playing right field. Uh, Merrifield doesn't have the greatest arm, but Uh, The defense that was uh, called for there, he played the ball off off a hop and and he threw it across to home play. That was a great play. Now, if Joe McEwing put up the stop sign and Johan Mankata ignored him, that's on Mankata. But if Joe McEwing gave Mankata the the go-ahead to try to score, that was a bad call.
1: Yeah, I didn't see anything where whether or not he, you know, he got the stop sign or not and just passed it. But, and, and look, I mean, hopefully those are not the type of things, the little things that kind of come back to bite you in the butt mm-hmm. because I think those are the type of things can you could lose games that way. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, there needs to, they definitely need to work on that. I didn't see anything. I was trying to see that maybe he may have gotten the stop sign and he passed it. I haven't seen any replay of it anywhere. So maybe that just was, you know, miscommunication, you know, in, in that instance. But I, I think, look, Look, I think, look, these things happen. It's a long season. You're going to have these type of, you know, lapses and, you know, judgment. So, it's I, – I, I wouldn't, like, freak out too much with it. Hopefully, it doesn't become a habit. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think I think he's okay. And they end up, you know, scoring. So, I think it, 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 it went okay, I think. So, I, I wouldn't freak out too much with that particular blunder because, you know, stuff like this is going to happen throughout the season.
0: And also, a couple more other notes from Sunday's um, victory against the Kansas City Royals. One, Dylan Cease, and he had the greatest performance, but he definitely kept the White Sox in it. And so uh, he had the chance to get the rim. But of course, the bullpen decided to give it up again, even though they have improved over the last uh, few games. And number two, Jorge Soler, I believe it was in the, bo- the top of the fifth or the top of the sixth inning. Uh, he uh, Right before Dylan Cease was pulled because Dylan Cease was starting to uh, get fatigued and the yeah. pitch count was starting to pile up. He hit a massive as we thought it was a home run if you saw dylan Cease's reaction he said oh bleep we won't say the word here but Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you saw the reaction on his face he thought that he gave it up and of course because of the wind thank goodness for the wind Mm -hmm. um billy hamilton believe uh, made the catch out there in center field that ball just died right on the center field warning track. And Jorge Soler, and I tweeted it out on Sunday, no soup for you, Mr. Soler. Mm-hmm. I thought that ball was gone, too. It took me back to, I don't think, I don't know if you remember this, Lakina, but it took me back to 2005. And of course, people said that the White Sox had the quote-unquote worst September uh, of a championship team. Remember those 2000 New York Yankees? They only won three games um, in September during that year, but they won the World Series. Thank you very much. The White Sox, Actually, in September '05, started 7-0 before they, quote-unquote, struggled there, even though they won the division. Of course, they won the whole thing. But uh, I remember watching a game against the Anaheim Angels, who they were defeating the ALCS. Um, this was back, of course, during September, during the regular season. Vladimir Guerrero, who's now a Hall of Famer, his son's doing a hell of a job, by the way, for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, Vladimir Guerrero, if you, if you guys watched his career, even through his early years with Montreal, when he hit the ball – it was so monstrous. But uh, watching uh, Vladimir, this is when he was with the Angels, and they were playing at Sox Park. Now I remember watching this on TV. He, Vladimir, hit a ball about a mile. I thought this is going thirty rows deep. What ended up happening was it bounced off the wall. He had a, and he had a, ended up with a double. And I said, Jorge Soler's is out. <laughs> Last mm-hmm. Sunday reminded me of. Vladimir Guerrero is back with the Anaheim Angels back in September of Bowl 05 against the White Sox at Sox Park. I'm like, Woo mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought Jorge Soler's um, uh, that ball was gone off his bat. It was, but not far enough. <laughs> and so, as we say all the time, Lakina, it's the little things that, that wins and loses ball games
1: yeah. in baseball. Yeah, I mean, like it's sort of one of those, I saw those plays, and it was just weird that that whole, how the whole thing transpired, but but, but, like I said, I mean, look, you had guys that stepped up. You had Andrew Vaughn step up. Guys, first career home run. You got Billy Hamilton doing some big things, too. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when and if Eloy and Robert can come back. That's going to be the key. So, we'll look. I guess if you're Tony the that's that's kind of a good problem to have, I guess, because you got so much depth in that, you know, outfield. So,. I, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see, you know, if especially if Vaughn and Hamilton and guys like that continue to produce and Mandacle, you know, doesn't have all of White Sox, you know, fandom mad at him, you know, maybe now they're happy <laughs> with him now. So, you know, hopefully they don't go back to you know being mad at him. But uh yeah, I'll be interested to see if you know how long that lasts. I mean, can they keep it up? Can you know Hamilton and Vaughn keep it up because of the fact that there's you know, is they're gonna be doing this for a while. Maybe in some, maybe in one case, the rest of the season. Or if Robert can't come back, so it'll be interesting to see where, where this goes. Because I, I that's where that's the, what I'm focused on. That like who can, you know, if if you know if him, you know, if, if Eloy and Robert can come back, you know, where does if where does that put you know guys like Vaughn and guys like Hamilton?
0: You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lekina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk White Sox baseball. We'll get to the Cubs in just a moment. I want to piggyback off your point about Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is actually starting to hit the ball well over the last week, week and a half or so. We saw it in the series against Kansas City. He had a chance to hit his first home run. He did it a few days ago uh, here in Chicago. Uh, and, and and his play in the outfield, I'm actually liking it so far. I'm not saying he's going to win a gold glove out there, but <clears throat> excuse me, he's going to be okay in the outfield. This is what we expected from Eloy Jimenez before – he injured his stuff stupidly uh, in towards the end of sp- spring training. So, but going back to Vaughn, I like the way he's uh, swinging the bat right now. He almost knocked one out the other day. Uh, he had a um, had a decent chance on Sunday. But I like the way Andrew Vaughn is playing right now. I think he's eventually going to be your um, your future first baseman. But right now, I like the way he's playing uh, in the outfield right now.
1: Yeah, I'm. Look, I think he ha- he actually play outfield. I think that he's already had of Eloy in that in that front, yeah. right? He he actually play outfield. So, I mean, look, it'll be interesting where where he'll be if you know whenever Eloy does come back. I'm sure you're gonna have to keep him there because Eloy should be DHing. Just saying, I mean, if you want to avoid yeah. you know, those type of injuries like he did, you know, earlier <laughs> early, early in, in the season. So, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what he does. I mean, hopefully he can keep it up. I mean, hopefully there's not gonna be a lot of pressure on. Vaughn to kind of like, you know, not do too much. You know, he's been doing his thing and and look, I think he's been, you know, so far so good with him. You know, he's made some big, you know, big defensive plays. You know, he's made some timely hitting. I mean, I would keep him in the outfield if and if or when you know Illoy comes back. I think you got to for your own sanity, mm-hmm. I think, because you don't want to yeah. like <laughs> I, like I say, you don't want to avoid what happened, you know, in spring training with Illoy. So I think maybe at the folks need to kind of just, you know maybe give him a break because he is still – he has not played a full year yet, you know, Vaughn. So I think people need to mm-hmm. kind of, like, give him a break.
0: I agree with you there. And so we'll see what happens as the season goes along with Andrew Vaughn and some of the young guys on this team. Uh, Taking a look at their the white side schedule for this week, they're, as you mentioned earlier, they're at Minnesota for three games. Of course, you're listening to us on our podcast. Today is Tuesday, so Monday's game uh, has already been played. And, of course, tonight's action, you'll have Lance Lynn going on the mound. And, of course, uh, tomorrow afternoon you'll have Lucas Giolito uh, going against the Minnesota Twins. All three of the games are, of course, at Target Field. And, of course, the White Sox have an off day on Thursday. Of course, uh, this uh, next the next weekend you'll have three games in the Bronx against the New York Yankees. Uh, looking at that series, looking, at, I think the good news is you'll uh, avoid Garrett Cole. I think you may have to uh, face... Corey Kluber in that series, we're not sure we'll 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 see about that. But I I kind of like the, where the White Sox are playing right now. Hopefully they'll take two out of three for the Minnesota Twins. You take care of them first. I know you swept them here in Chicago last week, but hopefully you can take two or at least two out of three in Target Field, and then take your chances against the Yankees uh, next weekend in the Bronx.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that'll be, that's sort of going to be the litmus test for this team, right? You know, the Yankees have been playing a lot better. We'll get to them in a second, but they've been playing better, you know, the Yankees have, and I think that's not going to be, look, yes, you avoid Cole, but, you know, you still got, actually, they're going to be playing Dylan Cease, actually, you know, they actually going to be playing Saturday, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, you know, Dylan sees and you know Garrett Cole, so that will be a Saturday game on on Saturday. So they don't avoid. Oh, uh,
0: we won't get caught. Oh, we going yes. to yeah,
1: Great. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I hope so, that changes
0: by the time we have our next broadcast.
1: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see. That can, uh. They could. that could change. They may move it up a little bit. But you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I think if you if you get at least you know at least you know win the series against New York, that's going to be a tough task because they're going to be at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium. You know Minnesota too. First things first, don't go ahead because I'm sure Minnesota still feels that they still have a chance at the very least to make things interesting. So just don't look Mm -hmm. ahead, and I think look, you're in a good place right now for the White Sox. Don't just don't do any stupid things, and you'll be okay.
0: Yeah, they should be okay. Let us go over to the north side, the men in blue. They take care of business last weekend against the Detroit. Tigers. They lose Saturday's game nine to eight in ten innings, but they won Friday's game four to two and last Sunday's game in dominating fashion five to one. Couple of things that, that stood out to me in Lakina is the starting pitching. Jake Arrieta came back from the injury list uh, last Friday. He looked good. Um, Craig Kimbrough had his seventh save of the season, and so the the Cubs did enough just to uh, win the game. Of course, last Saturday the uh, the bats came out for the Cubs, but they just couldn't hang on uh, as the Tigers won an extra innings. And, of course, last Sunday uh, they did enough t- uh, to dominate the Tigers 5-1. to Cal Hendricks, this is the best he's looked all year. He had eight innings. He gave up eight hits, but he also struck out eight as well. So uh, I, I was going to bring up the – I think I brought up the question on this yeah, – yeah, I brought up the question on this show about a week or so ago. Do you skip him in the rotation to – and give him a, quote, unquote, uh skip a start, and and that do you see? Can you see that if that would help him out? But he said no. <laughs> what he, what he did last, um, this past Sunday on the mound at Detroit? Uh, hopefully, it's an encouraging sign for him to turn things around.
1: Well, and like I said before, I think I think this is the time of year where we get to see the Kyle Henderson that we know and love, and we saw that on Sunday. You know, yeah, he gave him eight hits, but you know what, they were able to kind of get out of some jams and, you know, some, they had some defensive plays too, so I think that helped mm-hmm. him and his confidence. They probably probably should have swept Detroit. You know, of course, the pitching, mm-hmm. the middle relief pitching kind of killed them there, and they, they were, unfortunately, you know, Kimbrough, you know, got away from a little bit. With the you know the second base rule and such, you know it's all the second base rule after after nine innings. That's usually like it's one of those two full rules that you know you like Mm -hmm. it when it's when it you know when it works for you, but then you know you hate it when it works against you. So that's that's of course that's what happens with that particular rule. But look, the other they were able to come back and you know. You know, Kent, you know, Hendricks dominated. They were able to, you know, win that game and win the series. And look, this is sort of when look, they're still right there in the NLE, NL I should say. So that's, you know, they're kind of right there. They have a you know a tough four game series against Washington, and then after that this weekend they got the Cardinals. They got to go at mm-hmm. St. Louis. So this is sort of this is kind of where we're going to see what the Cubs are made of. Can they kind of? And they're still right there. No one's running away from that division. You know, St. Louis lost their series against the Padres. You know, the the, the Brewers have struggled lately. So the Reds are kind of up and down. You know, what Reds team are going to get. So I think this is sort of the thing where if guys are starting to come back from injuries, you know, we can kind of see this team sort of, like, claw their way in that NL Central, which is still very much up for grabs. So, look, I think if you're a Cubs fan, considering everything that you went through a few weeks ago, where Mm -hmm. you're at now, you got to be feeling pretty good.
0: Hopefully you can make hay if you're the Chicago Cubs. So, uh, Like you mentioned, the schedule for this week, you have a big four-game series against the Washington Nationals. Of course, as this recording of uh, the John Lester game has already been played, we'll give you our Cisco and Eber review coming up on our next episode. But uh, you have a four-game series at home, and then you go and play the Cardinals. This will be your first real true test of the year against your division foe. And so, the, like you said, the Cubs are getting some pieces back, and let's see if they can put it together uh, completely. Like I said, the starting pitching was encouraging over the over the weekend at Detroit. Let's see if the office can help them out uh, uh, for this uh, coming week's game. So uh, the Cubs have the opportunity in front of them. I'm not saying they're going to blow everybody away because, like you said, uh, the, the NL Central is mediocre. And it looks, looks like it's probably going to stay their way all all year. But uh, it's an opportunity for the Cubs to write the ship and perhaps um, – um, hopefully stay over 500 for a while but we'll we'll see what happens as they always say the games can it should be uh the games are usually played on the field not in the press
1: <laughs> it won't look if look we'd be right all the time if they it played in the press i mean we'd be we'd be millionaires right now <laughs> if we had a dollar yeah. <laughs> we can play these games to the press. But yeah, I mean, look, I think, look, like I said before, I mean, considering where you were the Cubs were, you know, fans were kind of down on themselves. You can kind of look at like the team down is down, were down on themselves. Now you're like, okay, yeah, they kind of went up and down, but you know what though, considering, you know, where everyone else is in that division, you're in a pretty good spot.
0: Mm-hmm. You're right. in a pretty good spot.
1: Absolutely. All right. So what impressed you this weekend? I mean, there were a lot, there were a lot of interesting things that happened this weekend in, in, in the MLB.
0: Uh, The Atlanta Braves, uh, they had a chance to sweep away the Milwaukee Brewers on the road, of course. Uh, Milwaukee held on um, in the series finale on Sunday, winning 10-8. They were up 8-0, but the Braves came back scoring seven runs to the top of the eighth inning. They made things interesting, but Milwaukee just held on to win. Uh, The Yankees had a chance to sweep away the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, They came up short um, during last Sunday's game. But the Yankees' bats are starting to come alive. Uh, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and uh, Clint Frazier, those bats are starting to heat up for the Yankees. Uh, I don't want to look too far ahead, but uh, the White Sox have a tough task uh, on their hands coming up next week in, in the Bronx, as we mentioned earlier. So those at least a couple of things that stood out to me from the MLB over the uh, last weekend.
1: For me, it was the NL's, NL West. I mean, that 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 West division is going to be – it's going to come down to the wire, I think. And I know it's still very early. We're not even halfway through the season yet, but I think it's starting to look like, you know, San Fran, they've been up and down lately. You know, the Padres, they swept their series against the Cardinals. The Dodgers have had, are having a lot of injury issues. So they've had their struggles. So it's probably going to be between those three. Now, like I said, I think the Giants are going to, you know, filter out. I think it's going to Mm -hmm. end up being between the Padres and the Dodgers in the end. So hopefully you know Dodgers get a lot of their guys back and hopefully they can you know get back to kind of being that dominant dodgers team like we all saw another thing for me is like the nl week the nl east i mean it's just like the phillies are having problems because apparently they can't field <laughs> you know there's like a, you know joe girardi is about to lose his mind over it so <laughs> you know that that's a that's a whole other thing that mets have lost three in a row you know the, the you, know, you talked about the Braves earlier um, the Marlins are starting to, are trying to hang on, and so are the Nationals. They've had their struggles. So, mm-hmm. that that NL East and the next to the NL Central is pretty <laughs> – it's pretty – yeah, there's mm-hmm. a log jam there, safe to say. So, I don't know. Houston, Houston has looked good. They've won, three, they've won six in a row, I should say, as of this mm-hmm. recording. They're
0: currently getting back up there as one yeah. of the top teams in the American League.
1: They're hitting. They're have pitching well lately. They've been hitting very well lately. So, Actually, I would say that whole that that top that top three in the in the west i mean you know, the a s have been playing well, the Mariners are hanging on to. they have a young scrappy team so. Mm-hmm. Look, I think we beat it, Justin
0: Bieber on Sunday. Yes, they
1: did <laughs> Justin Bieber. I'm sure he loves that. Oh, sure. sorry,
0: Shane Bieber. Good grief. Well, no well,
1: look, look, <laughs> no mean, pun intended,
0: folks. <laughs> well,
1: well, look, I mean, I'm sure he can pro- I'm sure look, he'll probably take B called Justin, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We gotta ask Shane <laughs> that but, <laughs> but 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 anyway, but but still, I mean on a serious note though. I mean look the West and the AL East, I mean though those are like there's gonna be a, a big battle for the, at least for the next month or so.
0: Yeah, going back to the AL West, I did check out some of the other series, of course. Oakland took care of Minnesota, winning two out of three in Target Field. Of course, Saturday's game, they gave away. I watched the majority of that game. Of course, you mentioned the Astros. but the Anaheim Angels looked good at Boston over the weekend, mm-hmm. and they took the series finale last Sunday, 6-5. to five. Uh, Given uh, the way that the Angels have been in the news lately, the, the way they, quote-unquote, handled the Alba Pujols' release, he's signed by the, by the Dodgers to a minor league deal, by the way. I called so, it. I
1: called it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you did. You did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You did, so –
1: and they need we'll to see too. what happens
0: there yeah we'll see what happens there but uh, Anaheim is starting to look good do i will i take them as uh seriously as a playoff contender that's re- that remains to be seen so uh, the aos is very interesting right now i think you could say it's a little bit better than the nl central
1: <laughs> well yeah i think pretty, <laughs> i think pretty much every and and nl east too i mean that's that that doesn't look it's a pretty good division yeah. either but, look, I think the East is probably the best. I think the AL East, I mean, look, I mean, the Red Sox are hanging on. The Blue Jays, my God, I love that team. Yeah, the Vlad Jr.
0: I told you they're I, my AL wild card winner.
1: I mean, I, I mean, he's doing things that his dad didn't do. When even his dad's his dad's actually admitted that. <laughs> he looked through his Twitter. Yeah, so Vlad Jr. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just crazy what he's been doing. Of course, we talked about the Yankees, too. Probably let, let that game slip away but on Sunday, but – you know the, the Rays are hanging on. They've won four in a row as of this recording. So the East is looking really mm-hmm. good, at which we all thought it would be.
0: Yeah, as we as we talked about before, things are getting competitive uh, in, around baseball, and things are starting to heat up, and uh, we'll see who separates themselves uh, from the pack as as we have about. Uh, uh, a bunch of key series for you guys to uh, keep your eye on this week. I'll just give a couple out here. Of course, the New York Mets will take on the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta. Of course, you have the White Sox and the Twins, and the National and the Cubs uh, from Wrigley for our for our Chicago listeners and viewers. Uh, the New York Yankees will travel down to Texas to play in their new Globe Globe Life Field down in Arlington. Uh, the Indians will face the Angels in Anaheim. This is going to be a, a great series. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Los Angeles Dodgers from Dodger Stadium this week for a big three-game series.
1: Yeah, that should be a lot of fun right now with that. So I'm looking forward to it. I think this will, look like I said before, I don't think this is like a, I don't think any series like make or break, but this is sort of like the, the opportunity mm-hmm. for for teams to kind of like, you know, establish themselves and in some cases separate themselves. So I, I, look, I think all you can ask for at this point is to just, you know, just be, you know, just be encouraged by some of these teams. Because like I said before, in a lot of these divisions, no one's walking away from it, which is probably if you're a baseball, that's a good thing. So, you know, the fact that these mm-hmm. divisions are still competitive, you know, over a month in, I think if you're a baseball, you'll take it.
0: Yes, if you baseball, you'll take it. So we'll see what happens uh, this upcoming week. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we are now transitioning over to talk a little basketball. The Chicago Bulls finished their season at 31 wins and 41 losses in a short 72-game season. They split their uh, weekend games. They lost at Brook- Brooklyn uh, last Saturday, but they won against the Milwaukee Bucks in front of the 25% capacity of fans at the UC 118-112. to 112. Most of the big starts for the Bucks did not play. Zach Levine did not play for the Chicago Bulls, but... They looked good. It was important for them to get the win. I know some people will disagree with me on that. We'll get into that, I'm sure, in just a couple of minutes. But uh, I, I was originally not going to watch the broadcast live, Lakina. Like but in a way, I'm glad I did. Uh, Neil, um, Sorry, not Neil Fung. Congrats on your retirement of last season. But uh, Stacey King and um, Adam and me has done that. both have done a great job for NBC Sports Chicago all season long. Shout out to our guy, Jason Goff. Hopefully we'll have him on this program soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Kendall Gill and Real Purdue are doing a uh, Bulls pre- and post-game line for NBC Sports Chicago. It was more of a reflection uh, broadcast uh, yeah. on Sunday. Uh, I actually enjoyed that broadcast only because we knew that it was over for, for the Bulls. But realistically, you're starting to see that Arturis Knishevis and Mark Everson, you have hope, as we talked about all season long, with, Kina, uh, with that, especially with that Nikolai just trade. Uh, at the end of March during the trade deadline, as we told you guys, this is the first of hopefully many moves that this new bulls management team will make. Now the players that played on the floor uh, last Sunday, some of them will be here. Some of them will not be here. And I know we'll get into more in our next episode. We'll give you some synopsis right now, but you had to be encouraged by what the bulls uh, will look like in the future starting next year. But it, You actually have realistic hope this time, instead of the last few years, uh, hoping maybe, let's see what happens, if we can get lucky and all this other foolishness. Uh, There's realistic uh, expectations and uh, actual optimism optimism to look forward to for this Bulls team heading to 2021-22 season next year.
1: I think you should, I think we should be encouraged. I think all, I think Bulls fans everywhere should be encouraged. I know some people were disappointed because, you know, after the Lucevic trade, after some of the other trades they made, they got they got rid of Gaffer, mm-hmm. they got rid of Carter Jr. People said, oh, we should be a number three or four seed in the, in the in the East. I mean, I don't know what, what basketball have they been watching or what team have they been watching the last few years? Because this team just, it was not a top <laughs> four, three or four team. They In the East, they weren't even with the boost of trade. So, Mm -hmm. look, you know, Zach unfortunately, you know, had to sit out because of safety protocols. You know, Garrett Temple, you know, was hurt for a few weeks. And if you you listen to the comments of some of these players and coaches, you know, if you heard, you know, Billy Donovan's comments, if you you saw Zach Levine's comments, he said he wants to be here. He wants to, you know, invest in the future. He wants to – he has invited, you know, Patrick Williams and Kobe White to work out with him during the offseason so they can get better. And they can do that now. People forget that mm-hmm. they couldn't do that kind of stuff because of the pandemic last year. They couldn't travel. They couldn't really practice. You know, people forget that. So I think when I hear people say, you know, when I listen to some of the you know, the, the sports radio stations, the two sports radio stations here, they say, well, you know, they, could have, they should have been a three or four seat. I mean, look, they really couldn't do anything, especially once, you know, Zach had mm-hmm. to sit out. That's when everything kind of started, you know, kind of falling apart so again listening to all the encouragement he saw Vucevic's comments if he's you know, like I said if he saw Zach's comments mm-hmm. and that young he wants to come back next year <laughs> so you know mm-hmm. hopefully they'll be able to get you know Troy Brown Jr. and you know Daniel Tice I mean I'm, I'm hoping that they can you know that they'll be able to keep some of these guys because look I think we can safely say that Felicio and Denzel mm-hmm. and Lori probably are all going to be gone bye-bye um, you know, go yeah. away. Where are the going? away parties at? Let us let, throw a go away party. You know, go, <laughs> buy, say bye bye to them. Um, you know, they're gonna have some money in the cap. You know, we'll see if they if they hit gold with the top. If they end up in the top four, we'll look if they get that pick from Orlando. So look, I, a lot of things can happen. And I think look, the good news is, is that look, you know, AK said, look, I'm not finished. They they both both he mm-hmm. and Mark said that we're not finished. We still got a lot of moves to make. So we'll see what they can do.
0: What do you like from this Bulls management team? We talked about it all season long, Lakina. Bad boys move in silence. I don't want to hear from them, N- nothing personal, but unless they're actually close to making a deal or actually made a deal, that's where I want to hear from them, and, that, and that's fine by me. I don't want them to go attention whoring, excuse my language, but mm. uh, going around just uh, talking just to be talking. That, that, that does nobody any good. And so I, I like the, the approach that this new management team is giving right now. You're not going to hear from them until they've actually done something, okay? Now, whether the moves they have made uh, will work or not, they'll, they'll be judged through time. But you, as I mentioned before, you, you, there are some realistic expectations for this Bulls team next year. And if you have hopeful uh, optimism for next year, that's real. So uh, embrace that, folks. And uh, this new management team was brought in here to turn things around. They're in an early process of, of doing that. Whether they get the top four pick or not, I'm not banking on it but they happen to get it, so be it. I heard one person earlier today said they should trade that pick if, uh, if it ends in the, in the top four. They may have to if uh, if you train for a Giannis or a Kevin Durant-type player, uh, a player of that caliber, but I, I'm not banging on them getting that, that number four pick, but if it happens, so be it. But uh, there's still, as you mentioned, there's still a lot of work to be done. And going through this roster, there's going to be at least three to four players that are not going to be here next year. Probably more, but at least three to four. But uh, we'll go through the uh, through the roster right now. Uh, Daniel Tice, I, I talked about him on, on the show before. Uh, he's the only person uh, on the roster, period. Especially the only big man on the roster that brought some intensity on the defensive end, especially mm-hmm. uh in the pain. That's something the Bulls have been lacking for years. Yeah. And Daniel Titus gave that to you. I know he extended his range and shot a couple of three point shots, which is cool. But I need him to play defense and control the paint, And he did that. Yeah. And I'm just worried that uh the market is gonna slightly overpay him uh due to the Bulls uh Salary cap situation. I know that it's supposed uh, the salary cap for all these teams supposed to be above 123 million dollars. I know the Bulls are slated to have at least 23 million dollars over the cap without Daddy's young partial guarantee. If they give into. Um, Young's partial guarantee they'll only have 16 million dollars under the cap uh, uh, with uh, salary under the salary cap this summer. So, uh, the, the future the, uh, the future of the Bulls will right what happens with that is Young's contract. Mm-hmm. I know you say he wanted to be back, but that's going to be a tough call, and they may they may affect some other players that uh, this new management team want to keep, including Dale Tice. I don't want to say I'm prepared for him to go, but uh, it may end up being being in, in that situation. I hope not, but uh, Dale Tice is very much needed on this team. And if you haven't been watching over the last few weeks, then you just don't know uh, what you're watching you know, and what we've been talking about. It just goes beyond deaf ears. But I hope they bring Dale Tice back. And I hope they bring Garrett Temple back, too. I, I looked at the list during the post-game show on Sunday. He's a free agent, too. I'm like, yeah, well, There's a possibility both well, 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 those guys may not come back.
1: Well the goodness is with Temple is that he prob- he loves it here so he said that he you know, I think he probably would stay for the minimum but a very small salary. So I think I think Tibble would come back. Now the Tice say, look, i want it into existence. Please come back, Dale Tys. Please come back, Daniel Tys. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm already look, I'm already willing that into existence. So like I'm like I will not I will not have that to be his ha- attitude, Sid. I'm I'm willing it into existence. Daniel Tys is coming like back. I said, to I'll, be, I'll
0: be the first one to say that I'm wrong if he's brought back. I, it's not saying I'm not saying I don't want him back, but we gotta look at the business side of It, it it's gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, it trust me. Is. I'll be the first
0: one to say I am wrong. I'll be happy, it's just like every other Bulls fan. Okay.
1: Well, we know that. AK's so, a, that's where I'm coming from. Well, we know AK a good salesman, so he's got that charisma. So I think he might, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, I, I have no doubt he'll probably try to sweeten the pot a little bit, give him a lot of incentives and whatnot. But both him and Temple, mm-hmm. so it won't count against the camp. He's pretty smart with that, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet on he can get both those guys back. I hope they bring Troy Brown Jr. back. I think he is a guy mm-hmm. that he need that kind. They need, you need that kind mm-hmm. of a guy with. His his size and a guy like him to kind of be that guy. Look, I think I know people want to you know, try to get Lonzo Ball. You know, I mean, I know some people say if they get the number four pick, look, you've got a pretty good class. So I wouldn't want to trade that number four pick unless you give me unless you give me a James Harden or Giannis. I you're not gonna no, I'm not no no. You're you're on mute, Mister. I'm not. I'm declining your call. So. Like, I think well, the good news is that this guy's – I think this guy's definitely going to be a limit. He's, you know, both AK and never are going to have a lot of choices of direction they want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to want to try and content, at least contend in the East next year. So, I'm thinking that they are thinking maybe let's see if we can get another piece. let see if we can get – we if we're get if looking get the, the top four pick, okay, cool. If not, okay, let's see mm-hmm. if we can get a side and trade for Lowry. So, if we can get – maybe get another mm-hmm. pick. So, you know, they're, they're, look, look, there are, there are lots of choices for the Bulls to, to do and lots of directions they can go. And look, I think if you read, you know, Billy Dove's comments and some of the players' comments, I think they, look, I think they're ready, especially now that since they're, they're actually going to have a normal off season now where mm-hmm. you'll be able to work out together, they'll be able to practice and whatnot. So I think if you're a Bulls fan, you look, I know some people are freaking out about it or you're having their own little, you know, like living in their own little world when it comes to the bulls, but I think people need to just, just kind of just chill. Trust the, I'm not look trust the process. I know I don't, I don't nobody likes to hear that, but I think <laughs> just need to trust trust the journey. I should say trust the journey. That I that think that's probably the best way to go.
0: Yeah, all options are on the table, Lakina. And I was thinking about this last night. Hopefully that A.K. and Mark Eversley don't repeat the same sins as the last regime. guard packs falling in love too much with their players that they didn't want to trade them or overvalue them, trying to uh, jip another franchise. And, and that you know that model does not work. It'll never work. So uh, those uh, scouts and GMs across the league see the same stuff that we see, and so you can't you cannot fool anybody. I'm not saying this new management team is going to try to. I don't get that sense here either, but all options are on the table for uh, this new Bulls management team coming up this summer. I want to focus in on rookie Patrick Williams. He had a good year, and listening to the uh, broadcast from Sunday, Stacey Keen pointed this out uh, perfectly. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing here uh, that he wanted to see Patrick Williams work on his offense's game this summer, and I agree with him. I think the defense is going to come. Remember, folks, he's only 19 years old. So he'll be 20 by the time training camp starts next September, early October. Uh, I want to see Patrick Williams, especially with his size. This is Stacy King from the broadcast on Sunday. I want to see Patrick Williams uh, work on his game this summer, especially uh, in the post, where he's six nine. He can uh, take guys that are six five and under defending him. And I said, yeah. I could see Patrick Williams not become a 20-point scorer overnight. I know some people co- compare him to Kawhi Leonard. Maybe he'll eventually get there, but right now he still has to work on his offensive game. The defense is going to um, improve. I- I'm hopeful in that. But the offensive game, you know, he needs to work on this. Summer. I don't know that the NBA is going to have a summer league this year, but uh, like you mentioned, Likina, uh we're gonna have a normal off season for the summer for the Chicago Bulls. Remember when Patrick Williams got drafted? It was right before Thanksgiving, and then a couple of weeks later, he had to come to Chicago, playing a couple of preseason games, and then on uh, the week of Christmas, your season started. So he really didn't have a chance to uh, get acclimated to the league, uh, along with the other rookies as well, because we were going through a pandemic at the time, so mm-hmm. which was understandable. But you're gonna have a normal off season, uh, build up your weight. Uh, build up your body and then work on your game. Now, I expect Patrick Winston to make a big jump from this past season to next season.
1: I agree. I think people need to remember too. He's only 19. He's only 19. Mm-hmm. This is part of the most basketball he's ever played. So I think yeah. people need to kind of like just chill with respect to, Oh, well he had a bad year. Like, no, he didn't considering the circumstances. He did not. And I exactly. will, and I will not fight, but I will defend Every you know him to anyone who tries to pull that crap and say that well he's been you know this guy you know Hallibur is, is doing this and this guy's doing that. Look, people need to remember he's mm-hmm. only nineteen. Look, he have another grocery. He he can be six <laughs> eleven, so you know he has yeah. A- he hasn't stopped growing yet, and I'm sure look, they're gonna have a normal offseason. I'm sure he can probably add some add some muscle to him, you know, get you know maybe ten pounds of muscle. Just imagine him, you know, and if he actually if he does grow another couple of inches, I mean, just imagine how much of a beast he could be. So I think look, we're gonna have a normal offseason. We're gonna have a normal, you know, workouts and whatnot, and people and like you said said people forget that it was right before Thanksgiving that he got drafted. He, you know, they started the season not too long after that. So I think people need to kind of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stop kind of like just, you know, get out, of their, get out of their skis and just say, you know what, you know, nothing was normal last year. Nothing was. So I think people need to kind of just give some of these teams and players a mulligan and some of these rookies a mulligan because of the fact that nothing was normal last year.
0: Yep, nothing was normal. Uh, did you mention this guy's name earlier, Christian Feliciano? I think you can say goodbye to him too.
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> look, yo, look, look, four, look, four years, look, four years and thirty-two million dollars. That's that's how that's what his contract was four years 32 million uh, it, it, i mean just, just just imagine i mean he's he's made like you know i'm sure he's probably gonna get a similar contract to somebody else because someone's gonna be crazy enough to do that because there are some teams yeah. out there that are gonna do that so look i look I, like i said i'm 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 look i'm throwing uh felicio denzel and look maybe Denzel ends up you know coaching with his brother over at Loyola, his, his older <laughs> brother drew you know yeah, laurie you know we'll see what happens with laurie i mean do they do a do mm-hmm. they, does, you know, somehow AK and Eversley, do they somehow do a sign and trade with him? Do they maybe, you know, try to, you know, just let him go. I'm sure they're going to try to get something for him, I'm sure they try to do it in the trade deadline. They probably they couldn't find any takers. Because he's a
0: restricted free agent this summer. I'm talking yeah. about Laurie.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that I'm sure they're going to have a, tr- a couple of tricks up their sleeves. So, you know, bye, Felicio. Bye, you <laughs> know, Bye, Laurie. You know, I'll bring some cake to, the, to your going away parties.
0: Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> before we before we wrap up, I, I, I just found it interesting during Sunday nights our Bulls uh, broadcast, both uh, Stacey King and Adam and me, especially Stacey. Every time Felicio had the ball. Um, <laughs> Stacey King was cheering for him, Felicio, make a shot, make a <laughs> shot. I don't think he made a shot, but uh-huh. I found it interesting. i uh, sure both of those guys knew that Fe- uh, Felicio uh, was, is not going to be a bull next season. So they were, uh, he was, uh, Stacey King was having fun with that. I was uh, chuckling and laughing a little bit. So uh, I just found it, find it to be interesting.
1: <laughs> I, I I I'm gonna miss those comments though from Stacy. I mean he tried Like he tried. He tried to make Felicio look good. Uh, look, even if Stacy can't make you look good, then I think you're having you're having big problems. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so, so let's take a 20 here and you know, mm-hmm. take a timeout. Still got a lot to do. We're gonna talk about the NBA and of course the play the free of the playing games. We'll talk about some of the other stuff that happened over the weekend as it comes to sports media and also some big media news. Mm-hmm. You'll give a couple of shout outs to some folks and talk about the basketball hall of Fame on which some folks should sort of learn what that means. What else are we talking about? Sid? Yes
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you pretty much covered it. We have a couple of uh, new a couple nuggets for you from the sports media world of course, we'll get into the um basketball hall of fame in uh I kind of want to touch on the bears even though we couldn't see as much from the mini camps this past weekend. I want to uh, touch on something that um that that kind of bothered me. I just, that's the best I can put it.
1: Well, also, we're going to tell folks that there are no waffle houses here in this, this far up north. You know, one, of the, one of the Bears were a little, you know, I'm not upset, but he was kind of like he, he, he didn't realize that there were no waffle houses up here this far up north. I mean, I, I don't know where he got that <laughs> from, but... We'll talk about Google Map,
0: folks. Google Map.
1: (laughs) We'll talk about that coming up next. You got, we got a lot to talk about and more. So you listen to Second City Sports along with Cindy Brown. I'm McKenna McGee. We'll see you on the flip side.
0: Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again at CK80. That's SID 80. That's SID KID 80.
1: You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports First, right here on YouTube at War Media. Video drops every Monday and Friday. Once again, the video drops every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. You can find our podcast uh, at War on Anchor, which drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday, the audio version drops at War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. We're available on all podcast platforms. Just type in that search engine box, WARR on Anchor. And you can go to our website, wearegoradio.com And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media, that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support.
1: Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends.
0: Let's kick off the second segment, Lakina. We're going to the the broader NBA. The regular season has concluded. Uh, The play-in tournament games for both the Western and the Eastern Conference starts tonight. Lakina, take a look at the schedule for tonight's games at 5.30. Both games will be seen on TNT tonight at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's the Charlotte Hornets traveling to Indiana to face the Pacers in the 9-10 matchup. And then in prime time at 8 o'clock, We'll have uh, the Washington Wizards, the number eight seed, taking on the Boston Celtics, the number seven seed. Lekina, before I g- we, we give our predictions of these games, uh, what did you think about the NBA as a whole over the last weekend? It was a little drama, but not too much, because we pretty much knew what we, we were going to uh, see, uh, see as far as seeding is concerned, uh, going back to our last episode.
1: Yeah, the scenes hadn't been like final, final finalized yet, so you know, we knew the teams that were going, but we just didn't know what order. So. You know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, fortunately, the Washington got the A.C., you know, which was, you know, which considering where they were earlier this season, you know, it's basically, especially, you know, Beal and Westbrook and all the things he's done. They've stepped up, and now they're they're back in the playoffs. They go at Boston, who has had their – they've had their struggles. Charlotte, you know, they've been kind of, like, consistently right there all season. Also, Indiana, too. The way it works is that whoever wins those eight, nine matchups, that winner will face the two seed. And the loser mm-hmm. will face the winner of the the ten versus eleven, and the winner of that game, they will get they will be the eight seed. So it's all types of weird seating. But <laughs> I think look, I think this look this will get people invested into perhaps maybe watching basketball near the end of the season because by that time, you know, guys are sitting there, guys, and you know, guys have their G League guys out there. So that that's why in some cases some of the seating was a little bit you know off. But mm-hmm. look, I. I think, these, I think these two games, especially in the Eastern Conference, the play-ins, I think these should be a lot of fun. I think Charlotte. Charlotte's sort of one of those teams. They're kind of like the Bulls in a lot of ways. You know, they're very mm-hmm. scrappy. You know, they're sort of like, you know, down down and dirty. Indiana has kind of like quietly been playing pretty well. You, know, you need, But you never know what Indiana's team you're going to get. So this could be one of those games where I think who wants it more, and I think that's going to be sort of the key here. And I think that this should be an interesting game, too. Also, say they were Washington and Boston. You know, there are already people there saying that in Boston that maybe Brad Stevens probably could be gone or should be gone, especially. I'm know, one of those people. <laughs> especially what the Wizards have been doing. We'll see if Bradley, be able, hopefully he'll be 100% or near 100% so that he can kind of help out Westbrook and the two of them, you know, together with the Wizards. They hope, hopefully, you know, who knows? You know, those two teams have had their battles in the playoffs. So this will be a very interesting game and very contrasting style. So, who's going to be able to force, you know, the issues in some of those, in some, in both these games. So I'm looking forward to seeing how both these teams, all four of these teams, I should say, not how these two games transpire tonight.
0: Uh, going back to that Washington-Boston matchup, Lakina, uh, for, for the Celtics, Marcus Smart is out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm correct, he's out with an injury. So that, that's going to be huge for Boston. So I think the Warriors can exploit Uh, that uh, absence there, especially as you mentioned with Bradley Beal coming back. How much can Russell Westbrook do? I don't know, but this is a prime time spot for him and his Wizards. So as you mentioned, they made a late season charge and it worked to get them this opportunity. I want to take the Wizards, the because they're the hot team right now, but something tells me that Boston is going to do just enough to get by. So for this game, I'm going with Boston. Now going to the first game with Charlotte in Indiana. I watched that regular season, the second to regular season finale game for the Pacers against the Lakers on Saturday. The Lakers had something to play for. The Pacers uh, did show up, but they just don't have enough. I uh, like Karis Laver. We talked about him all season. Likina, uh he had that uh, health scare. Thank goodness he's okay. He used to be with Brooklyn. Now he was traded to the. Pacers. He's he's the go-to guy for Indiana, I uh, like uh, Dematas Sabonis, uh, the one-time All-Star from from last season. But like you said, I don't know which Pacers team is going to show up, and so I I do not have my full confidence in them, even though they're at home. I know there there are they're going to be a little bit more fans as the in the in the stands as the playoffs get underway uh, this upcoming weekend. But going back to uh, the the Pacers uh, Hornets game I just cannot trust the Pacers to play a full 48 minute game they're going to battle you but I, I'm with you I don't know which Pacers team I'm going to get going back to Charlie they still have pieces even though LaMelo Ball is back even though I think he still should win rookie of the year but uh, Gordon Hayward's out but you still have scary Terry Rozier he's been through the playoff Awards before you have Miles Bridges, who's been one of the best surprises in the league this year, and so uh, I kind of like Charlotte here. So I'm, I'm taking this was was a no brainer for me. I'm taking Charlotte in the first game, and I'm and I'm taking Boston in the second game.
1: Yeah, see, I think well, I think Charlotte will do just enough to win that game. Like I said, I don't trust the Pacers, so I don't know which Pacers team we're gonna get. Are we gonna get the Pacers mm-hmm. team that has, that pulled off some you know some upsets in the East, or are we gonna get the get the Charlotte? You know, I mean, the Pacers team that got blown out by the Bulls earlier this season. So when they still had their you know had that that group of players with the Bulls, so I don't know. But I'm gonna pick Charlotte. I'm gonna pick Washington, though. I, I think like they Westbrook, wants to try mm-hmm. to take this opportunity and try to run with it as far as he can. So if he has to literally take the team on his back, which he has. Done so. I'm yeah. picking the i Charlotte and Washington for these these two uh, Eastern Conference games. Now we go west here. You know some good ones here. You got San Antonio and Memphis. That's be the first game on ESPN. That's at 6:30 tomorrow night. And also mm-hmm. you got Golden State and the Lakers. I'm sure Adam still was probably somewhere like banging his head on his desk. You know that, you get this, <laughs> that he got this matchup on the in the one of the play-ins It'll be Steph versus uh, LeBron. Um, Steph, you got to commend. Look, we got to give uh, Steph a shout out for what he's mm-hmm. done. Um, he clinched the scoring, scoring title. He joins MJ as the only player ages you know, 33 and older to win the scoring title. He also joins Jordan and Wilt and Kareem as the only players to have multiple scoring titles, MVPs, and championships. But I don't think that's going to be enough. I think the Lakers, I think they're on a mission. I think they got all their guys back. I think the Lakers will win this game. I think that yeah, will you know, goes to play the winner of the San Antonio-Memphis game. I have no clue what's going to happen. This is sort of one of those coin flip, <laughs> coin flip games, you know, right? I mean, look, San Antonio, I mean, look, they didn't have Pop, mm-hmm. you know, this weekend because he was at the Hall of Fame, so – but he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, Memphis, you know, John Moran, he's going to get his first, you know, taste of playoff experience, so we'll see how – I mean, Remember, they are
0: in the play-in tournament last year in the bubble. They lost yeah. to Portland in the – in the yeah. last game before the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they did. So that, I, I'm sure this is going to be a season. This opportunity there too. So I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be one of those t- toss-ups. I really – I don't know where to go. Where do you think?
0: Um, going back to the first game between Memphis and San Antonio, I know it's a home game for the Grizzlies. Uh, you mentioned it, it is a toss-up, but I'm giving the edge to the Spurs only because of their head coach, Greg Popovich. As we talked about even doing the all-star break, and we had our all-star break um, – re- um, mid-season show. San Antonio, for some reason, they, they, even though they let go of LaMarcus Alters right after the All-Star break, they still have enough players on their roster to uh, to make sure that they are competitive. You had to give head coach Greg Popovich uh, major credit for that. You still have Rudy Gay, you still have Walker, the the young veteran, and, and you still have uh, some of the other guys, like Patty Mills, who's been on their championship teams in, in recent uh, memory. So you still have key veterans that they know how to get it done when it's time to get it done. Memphis, John Moran has been an exciting young talent all year long. I know you have Jonas Valachunas, the former Toronto Raptor. I know he finished the year top five in rebounds mm-hmm. uh, in the league this year. So, And I know they have Dylan Brooks over there as well. So uh, Memphis has a nice squad. They're still young and they still need a couple more big pieces, but If I had to make a a prediction, which we will, which I will, I'm going with San Antonio. It may be an upset on paper, but it won't be that much of an upset if the Spurs win it. So I'm going with San Antonio in the first game.
1: What about Warriors and Lakers?
0: It's going to come down to the role players for the Warriors. Steph Curry can only do so much. Uh, What will Draymond Green do? What will Kim Bazemore do? What will Andrew Wiggins do? whether some of the other uh, young guys will do, uh, especially if Steph Curry struggles, who's going to step in and step up for the Warriors to take on that scoring load? Who's going to help out Steph Curry? We just don't know. Will it be a competitive game? Yes. But on the flip side for the Lakers, uh, they still have uh, nicky-naggy injuries right now. Will LeBron James and Anthony Davis, can they get through? Uh, a, a game without being banged against the wall, sort of, you know, so to speak. Uh, will they get through a game without being nicked up? Th- that's the question. I know Dennis Schroeder uh, returned on Sunday uh, in their regular season finale game at New Orleans. He looked okay. Let's see if he, he can step up. Let's see what about Alex Caruso, Taylor Horn if he decides to get some action. So. I think the Lakers have enough as long as they don't suffer any more uh, setbacks in terms of injuries and have the Lakers winning this game. I think Steph Curry will try to go off, but I don't trust those role players to step in and help Steph Curry. One of them decides to step up. The names I just mentioned a moment ago, the Warriors can't pull off the upset, but I I just don't get that sense that someone's going to help out Steph Curry, so I'm going with the Lakers in the second game.
1: That's, yeah, that's how I feel about it. I think the Lakers—they have more role players that will contribute. So I think that they'll—they'll they'll do just enough to win that game for them. And look, look—I mean, Steph. I'm afraid that Steph might have wore himself out because remember he is 33. And look, mm-hmm. yeah, look—I'm sure you know he practices that—that's part of his ritual, practicing all those shots. But eventually, those shots are not going to fall. And I think. I think that that's good with LeBron and them. I think they're on a mission. I think they're going to be well rested. And I think that, look, I think they're saving their energy for the playoffs. Now, as far as the Spurs and Memphis, look, I think Memphis got a little bit of a taste of it, even though it wasn't really a, a play; It was more of a play and it wasn't really the playoffs yet. I think they got the taste mm-hmm. of it. I think, They're young, they're hungry. I think he wants to kind of, like, you know, put himself off into a different level. So it's going to be close, but I'm going to pick Memphis just because I think that they've, you know, this is sort of a young, scrappy team. They got a little small sliver of it, and I think they want to get that full playoff experience. So we'll see. Should be – all the forward games should be a lot of fun to watch, and I think, look, the excitement is there, so the playoffs are starting, kids.
0: Yes, the playoffs should be fun. The The NBA playoffs will start Saturday, May 22nd. Uh, during our next episode of Second City Sports Weekend Edition, we'll have our NBA playoff preview show with some exciting uh, surprise guests and analysts. We will not name them here. You have to wait just like everybody else. So uh, stay tuned for that in our next episode. It should be and will be a whole lot of fun. Lakina, let's move over to the class of 2020 for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. As the ceremony took place uh, this past uh, Saturday, of course, the late Kobe Bryant was enshrined in, into the Hall of Fame. Michael Jordan gave a speech along with uh, Kobe's widow, uh, Vanessa Bryant, and, uh, of course, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett were inducted as well. Did you get a chance to catch any other ceremonies? If so, uh, what were your thoughts on it?
1: I did, I did. I was actually able to to listen and watch the speeches. I mean, Kevin Garnett's speech was really cool. It was actually short. He only kept it to like not even nine minutes, But I would thought <laughs> I would have thought maybe he would have talked for a little bit longer, but like he covered all the bases. He he thanked Chicago for help, you know, getting this game to a different level. He thanked yeah, Even them, though he was
0: born and raised in South Carolina. Uh, folks. Yeah, go
1: figure, right? So he was so close
0: to Chicago, don't want to hear that, but also
1: yeah, also too he he thanked Ronnie Fields, you know, one of his teammate at Farragut, when he got here <laughs> to Chicago, he gave him his props. He gave, you know, of course, you know, Minnesota and, you know, God rest his soul, the late great Flip Saunders, who kind of helped get his game to a different level and got to where he is. And look, he's the all-time, still the all-time leading scorer in games, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals in Minnesota. He still holds the record. Mm -hmm. So he's the only player to to lead a current franchise in all those categories. So that's an impressive feat of uh, itself. So he was great. Tim Duncan's speech was actually really good. You know, he doesn't like to speak in public. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's probably the most he's ever spoken in public, so you know that that's a uh, you know that was, was nice to see see there. And, you know he ain't Kareem, the only players to have twenty five thousand points, fifteen thousand rebounds, three thousand blocks. He's you only know, the second player in history to win a title in with three different de- in three different decades. If people forget yeah. that, so that, yeah, you know, that was oh, great to see, and also great. You know his speech was great too, Kobe. You know his wife Vanessa. Um, you know, all you know, I, I can only imagine how she was able to keep it together. You know, but you know she did, and you know, look, she's she's no pushover. She's a very strong woman. She's college educated, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they if she is up doing more speaking engagements down the line as her younger girls get older. Mm-hmm. But also, let's also remember too that there were other people who lost family members during that during uh, that that horrible uh, tragic helicopter crash a couple of guys lost their wives and one of them lost a wife and their and his and a daughter one you know two young people lost their both their parents and their younger sister so let's let's keep those folks in our thoughts and prayers too. not just vanessa and her girls but also to the other Mm -hmm. people that lost loved ones there but Going back to the, um, the 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 ceremony, Rudy Janovich, I'm glad he finally. I'm so glad he got his due finally. Because mm-hmm. I know some people say, oh, cause you know Jordan was retired and you know Houston was." Look, somebody had to win those, those championships while, while that yeah. was happening. So I'm glad that you know Pop and you know Eric Spoelstra and Doc and some of the other coaches lobbied for him to get in. I'm happy for Eddie's son. You know, God rest his soul too. You know, his, mm-hmm. his son Scott. You know, says a a, a a great speech. Kim Mulkey. You know, who if she had had her way she went on and on (laughs) all her accomplishments (laughs) you know both as a college player the girl with the pigtails from louisiana that they they call her way back when um you know she's i'm sure she's She's going to do great things and now she's back at home you know near where her kids are at lsu i'm sure she's going to do great things there as she's done with baylor Mm -hmm. winning three championships there and (laughs) won won, won the first you know women's championship at la tech her alma mater so you know just congrats to everyone also to mike breeden michael wilbon you know both deserving you know as media contributors so just great all yes. around we'll talk we'll talk about this year's class in a bit but what, what was your favorite uh thought favorite moment Sid
0: I didn't get a chance to catch the whole ceremony but I did read excerpts uh from the the speeches of course Tim Duncan's was sure I did catch some of that mm-hmm. and he had thanked everybody from coach Greg Popovich to David Robinson and everybody else and so I have actually a question to ask you about Tim Duncan well I'll get to it in a second but uh, I did read some of the excerpts from Vanessa's speech, and I, I'm with you on that. She could do some more speaking engagements if she want, wants to. And I know Michael Jordan gave some poetic words as well. I read a couple of quotes from him as well. So, uh, of course, if Kobe was still alive, he will, he, of course, he would have gave a great speech in his own right, obviously. But I think he would have been proud of both uh, Mr. Jordan and his uh, wife, Vanessa, yeah. um, speaking in his honor.
1: Also, too, you can catch those on YouTube, though, so in case you didn't miss any of the speeches, they're all on YouTube. Yes, exactly. On their their official um, Basketball Hall of Fame website, um, official Basketball Hall of Fame page on YouTube, so you can catch all the speeches, so in case you guys missed it.
0: Yes. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we talk about the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, ceremony from this past weekend from uh, induction of the 2020 class. Now, before we move over to next year's class, which will be, in, uh, will be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame later on this summer, uh, I want to ask you a question, Lakina, uh, going back to Tim Duncan. Do you believe that he's one of the top five forward, power fours to ever play the game? I think so. I okay. think look
1: he played play inside. He also made some great I think so
0: too. By outside the way.
1: shots. I think look, I think for anybody who's questioning, you know, what he's done. Look, I just gave you his accomplishments. So like I don't I don't know what more the man could have done to you know, to to warn, you know, not be one of the top power forwards in in NBA history. I mean, I don't know. What, yeah, five I know championships, what too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, in, in three different decades, as we just said, you know, only yeah. John Sally can, you know, also has that distinction. So, I think people need to kind of, like, kind of get off their get off their high horse and they say, oh, he's not on one of the best point, you know, power forwards. Yes, he did. I mean, he could play that. you know, he did what he was supposed to. He played inside. He mm-hmm. actually also had some – you know, he actually did pretty good outside, too. So, I think people need to kind of, like, mm-hmm. give him, you know, his props for doing – Doing both inside and out, so yeah, you know, the like, Look, he had three thousand blocks, which is like one of the tops in history. No, a lot of players had can't, you know, couldn't have done that. So I think that I think that Tim Duncan doesn't get his due. Is it because that he doesn't have like the flamboyant personality that we see with today's players? I think that's where all this is coming mm-hmm. from. But look, the man should have us get his props. Come on now, you guys need to kind of you know chill on that.
0: You know who was Tim Duncan before Tim Duncan? Especially for our younger viewers and listeners.
1: So, Brad so- Doherty. Exactly. That was just, wow. I was just thinking that.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. There were some of the same criticisms that uh, Tim Duncan faced came coming out of the Wake Forest. Uh, Brad Doherty, uh he was part of the '86 draft, if I'm not mistaken. '86 mm-hmm. or '87? You can look that up, Lakina. But um, when he was, when Brad Doherty was drafted 86. out of, uh, North, '86. Okay. Yep. Up, okay. Yeah. I was right the first time Uh, in the 86 draft. People said that he was soft and uh, he wouldn't. uh, I know the game was much different back then, but he was soft that he would never amount to anything. He's going to be a bust. Of course, that back injury cut his career short, unfortunately, as we got to the early to mid 90s. And so he was forced to retire. But uh, during his short tenure, NBA career, Brad Doherty was he was the stuff. I'm mm-hmm. keeping the language clean here, folks. Mm-hmm. But he was, I believe, a three-time or four-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was, part, he was part of that resurgence of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the late 80s into the early 90s. I know he missed, I believe, the 91 season uh, due to – I forgot what the injury was. But they, uh, that Cavaliers team, you know, they were starting to get older. They came back in 92, of course, lost to Jordan and the Bulls in the conference finals there. But those Cleveland teams were uh, competitive teams with him. Mark Price, Larry Nance, of course, the Hall of Fame coach, leaning Wokers led that young squad. Of course, you had Craig Elo there as well as part of that core. You have Ron Harbert before he entered his knee and eventually traded him to the Clippers following the 1990 season. But those Cleveland Cavaliers teams were tough. They were young. They were good. And Brad Doherty was the center of that. So he was Tim Duncan before Tim Duncan. Unfortunately, like I said, injuries cut his career short. But Brad Doherty could control the paint
1: yeah and I think that that's what I think that's what people I need mean, to forget, you know maybe do some research there, folks, because I think because of the fact that he is, he probably could have had the same career that Duncan had had, not been for the mm-hmm. back injury. so you know I think he definitely good good call Sid. I think he's definitely like one of those guys that probably could have had a, 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 a Tim Duncan-like career, so I think that Duncan should get more of his due, I think, in that respect. I mean please respect Tim Duncan and that's what that's all I want to say about that.
0: Yes. Let's move on to the 2021 class. They'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame coming up uh, in the late summer, early fall. September Uh, 11th. September 11th. Yeah, Yeah, that's the
1: ceremony. Yep.
0: Yeah. So here's the new class for the 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame. Head coach Rick Edelman, players Chris Bosch, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell, as coach, once Mm. again, as coach, Ben Wallace, Chris Webber, finally, had to been leave, uh, uh, being left at the doorstep in all these years. He finally gets his due. And, of course, uh, current Villanova College head coach Jay Wright. From the Veterans Com- uh, Committee, Bob Dandridge. From the Women's Veterans Committee, uh, Committee Pearl Moore, Miss Pearl Moore. From the International Committee, Tony Kukoc. That's right, we said it. Tony Kukoc and the early African-American Pioneers. Uh, Clarence Jenkins, and contributors Val Ackerman, Con, the late Calvin Fitzsimmons, and Howard Garfinkel.
1: Yep, you got it.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah uh, you, you, had a so. little,
0: you had a little um, rant towards some Bulls fans regarding one Mr. Tony Kukoc. Congratulations I to all uh, the, the, the nominees that are going in uh, this coming fall for the 2021 class for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Congrats to Tony Kukoc since we are here in Chicago, uh, he's going to get his just due, along with everybody else, on September 11th. He had a little rant uh, towards some Bulls fans that didn't like that choice and, and or didn't understand it. I'll well, let you have the floor.
1: Well I'll, get to, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but I just wanted to say, give a shout-out to guys like Rick Adelman, who I feel like those late 80s, early 90s Portland teams never got their due. I think, look, you had the Lakers teams that, are getting, that, got, that got older, you know, some injuries and, you know, and you know with magic and and you know they, they were was, right before
0: the 93 sons with charles barkley
1: yeah so there was sort of like the the sandwich you know sort of like that gap between mm-hmm. you know them and the, uh and those phoenix teams i just mentioned so I, i'm glad rick Alleman is finally getting his props clyde, clyde trexler was already in so you know that's mm-hmm. that's also awesome. you know shout out to him shout out to jay wright too he has two championships has one like the top like you know current you know win when win percentage in all of college basketball could very well end up winning his third i'm sure his you know his once we started you know, getting into the college hoop season once again but for next season but i think he's very he very well could win his third one i'm just saying but uh, also to uh, Bill Russell, he got it as a player in 1975. So I know for people who say, "Wait, wait, didn't he already get?" It? No, he's getting in because of his pioneering as a head coach. He won two championships as a head coach. People forget that he was actually a player's coach for the first one that he won as a coach. In yeah, 1969. Yep. Yep. So people forget about forget that. Um, Yolanda Yolanda Griffith, Shy Town Girl. Um, finally yes. get her due into the Hall of Fame. One of the best, you know, female players back. You know, she's about our age, so I so it's just amazing what she accomplished. You know, seven-time WMA All-Star, two-time gold medalist, also Lauren Jackson, mm-hmm. Australian-born, you know, two-time champion, one with, with, um, with the Seattle Storm and Sue Bird a couple of years ago, a three-time MVP. Um, also, too, you mentioned some of the, the, the contributors, Val Ackerman, who was the first first um, commissioner for the WNBA. is now the Big East commissioner, mm-hmm. doing a great job there. Clarence Fats Jenkins, who, like you said, says one of the pioneers, you know, he was a captain of the legendary New York Wrens, eight-time colored basketball world champion in the 20s and 30s. Remember, folks, back then, people forget that black players were not allowed to play in the NBA, um, you know, mm-hmm. in professional basketball. Um, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but, you know, that's a great that, you know, he and others are like poor Moore, you know, also, you know, something similar, you know, similar, one of the first black coaches, female coaches, so, you know, accomplishments as well. So, congrats to them. Um, the Tony Kukos thing, I mean, we do this every year, Said it seems. Like, people forget that it, it, <laughs> is, it is the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the Pro Basketball or NBA Hall of Fame. No, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Think Thank about, you. Think about what Kukos did before he got there. I think he won, I think, like, World Championships or FIBA Championships, I think, in the you know, in Croatia. I think he won the score. title like, four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to you know, diminish his accomplishments, his accomplishments, but he did a lot before he got here. So for people yeah. to say that he doesn't deserve to get in, well, actually, yeah, yes, yes, he does. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, of course, we have that about, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, a 10-time All-Star, won the, won the you know, Finals MVP, and, of course, NBA champion. Um, you know, Ben Wallace and what he did, you know, coming out of a small D2 school, you know, was able to, you know, all that he accomplished. Of course, you know, Chris Robin, in the Fab Five. And and also too, Chris Bosch, you know, finally getting his due into the Hall of Fame, everything he accomplished, you know, winning two championships and a you know, a gold medal. But I think look, people you're gonna get your accomplishments, your college accomplishments, your international accomplishments, and your NBA accomplishments. That's the criteria and also on the women's side, you got the WBA and you know, the women's college basketball and the contributors mm-hmm. too. So for people to say that, well, Tony is deserves to get in, uh yes he does. Look at his record. look at his look at his stats, folks, and his resume. He deserves it.
0: Yeah. I know we did a show of a couple of months ago uh, called the Chicago Sports Pardons, and I gave my pardon to Jerry Krause. I'm not going to rip him to shreds too much anymore. Uh, you have to give uh, uh, the late Jerry Krause, who's in the Hall of Fame, by the way, his props. I remember mm-hmm. he drafted Tony Kukoc in the 1990 draft, and he chased him around for about two or three years, of course. Kukoc made his debut uh, for the 93-94 season. That's the year that Michael Jordan quit. But uh, like I mentioned before, Tony Kukoc, and he said it in the Last Dance documentary that he was being paid more at the time mm-hmm. uh, by the, the European League. So that's why he didn't come over here right away. Plus, if you guys know your history, uh, uh, towards the early, uh, starting in the early 90s, he was starting to hand out these uh, million-dollar contracts. It wasn't the $100 million contracts like you see here today. They actually started in the late 90s into the early 2000s. But uh, Tony Kukoc uh, has the resume. Plus, people forget he was a silver medalist in the '92 Olympics. So of course, mm-hmm. they lost to the dream team both times, but he played better uh, in in that silver uh, in that gold medal game. Of course, uh, uh, Team Croatia still lost, but he held his own. So he's a silver medalist, and and that's what the Basketball Hall of Fame counts your uh, Olympic accomplishments as well. I'm sure with some younger fans, uh, they look at his career stats. Oh, he never averaged over 20 points a game. Uh, he wasn't as dominant in. Uh, he really didn't do anything special. Shout out to our good friend uh, Dave Watson from the mm. Ball on Bulls podcast, uh, mm. uh, and I saw his um his comments recently on on the Ball on Bulls <laughs> podcast right here on YouTube, and he said that Tony Kukos, is remember, especially in those last two championship years when Dennis Rodman was coming off the bench. Tony Kukoc had some big games, especially against Utah in those NBA Finals, Finals, especially in 1998. Um, uh, Dave said that uh, what you saw in Dirk Nowitzki, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday mm-hmm. soon, uh, for what you saw in Dirk Nowitzki, some of that was Tony Kukoc back in the 90s. And, of course, Tony exactly. Kukoc has the three championship rings, and he has the sixth man of the year from the 1996-72 win team season but some of the stuff that you saw in Dirk and Vizky's game you saw in tony kukoc back in the 90s so yes. and tony kukoc was the european magic johnson that's one of the reasons why he got drafted so not only he could shoot the ball he could pass the ball as well you saw that when he was here with the bulls
1: he was look he was Dirk before dirk was dirk
0: yes he was
1: a very similar you know height you know had he could shoot outside he could shoot inside he could pass I think, look, I think it's just unfortunate that folks really think that they're kind of they don't want to get out of their soapbox and expand their ideas of what a great mm-hmm. basketball player is. Tony Kukoc was that great basketball player, mm-hmm. not just for what he did with the Bulls, what he did over there, too. He kind of revolutionized. He kind of he opened He kept open the door for more European players to come to the States mm-hmm. and play in the NBA. People it was him,
0: Delay like Draza Petrovic, yep. uh, uh, Vadi, Dino Raja, Vadi, Vadi Divac. Vlade Divac, thank you. There's a couple of others that I'm missing. But, yeah, but those were the first big wave yes. of European players to come over to the NBA uh, during the early 90s.
1: Yeah, so they should definitely get props. And, you know, congrats to all of the you know, Hall of Fame inductees for this year. And looking forward to hearing some of these speeches coming up. I can only imagine what Paul Pierce is going to say and see Webb, we'll see. You know, it was great to see on Sunday him and Jayla Rose kind of have like a mini Fab Five reunion I'm 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 hoping all yeah. five of all five of them are there together kind That of, would be great. The whole the whole they're kind of listening to what's happening over at Michigan they're kind of like they're actually letting them back in which is great <laughs> cuz I think mm-hmm. they the fact that they've been, that there was,
0: been over for almost 10 years now yeah, so I was say, put yeah. them damn banners up at Chrysler Arena but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah <laughs> they they were
1: blackballed, so I'm glad they're they're bringing them back cuz let's remember mm-hmm. you guys probably would not be where you are right now you you have one of the fab five guys coaching your team i think you, you might want to kind of put mm-hmm. those banners up just saying but you know congrats to yeah. everybody i like look, look ben walls you saw how how emotional he was i'm sure his is going to be great also chris Bosch, everything he went through i'm sure he's going to pour his mm-hmm. heart and soul into it you know i'm sure jay wright's going to be jay wright's speech is going to be very funny bill russell's speech is going to be just hilarious so you know i'm looking forward mm-hmm. to hearing these speeches and you know congrats to all the all the new members of the basketball hall of fame
0: Yes, congratulations to one and all. We're heading down the home stretch here on Second City Sports, along with LaQuina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Let's uh, before we get to our uh, sports media stories from the weekend, LaQuina. I don't want to spend too much time on this, which we probably will. Hopefully not, but <laughs> just a couple of minutes uh, as we talk about the Chicago Bears. Uh, they had the they wrapped up their mini camp yesterday. They had it over the weekend. with their their rookie mini camp and Justin Fields. Did I say his name correctly?
1: Yes, he did. Yay! It is. It is. All right.
0: Justin Fields, the rookie quarterback, <laughs> you know, selected uh, in the first round from Ohio State. Uh, he made hayway with the media over the weekend. Um, Bears head coach Matt Necky, uh finally made his uh, presence felt uh, among both Chicago sports radio stations ESPN 1000 and 670 to score this past Monday. And listening to his comments, Lakina, he's really excited about Justin Fields and rightfully so. And he talked about how uh, him um, – Mitch, they they really couldn't mesh uh, his talents with the scheme that he was trying to run at the time. And I know there's been some stories out there that uh, that gave the impression that uh, you should uh, that you should have felt sorry for Matt and Nagy uh, about the, how things went with Mitch Trubisky. But remember, folks, this what ticked me the hell off. Remember, folks, Matt and Nagy was brought here to work with Mitch Trubisky. For those of you that want to feel sorry for Matt Nagy because things didn't work out with Trubisky, that's horse crap. Matt Nagy wouldn't have taken that job if he wasn't told that he was going to work with Trubisky, okay? I know that Trubisky's rookie year, uh, he was under the John Fox administration. John Fox was trying to make the playoffs, but his style didn't work for that roster that was being rebuilt at that time. But Matt Nagy wouldn't have taken that job if he didn't think he was going to face Mitch uh, Trubisky, okay? <laughs> Mitch Trubisky was in his second year when Matt, Matt Nagy took that job. So for anybody that wants to uh, fall in that narrative that Matt Nagy uh, didn't know what he was doing when he, when, uh, he was coaching Trubisky, that's horse crap. If it, uh, uh, he, he was told that he was going to work with Trubisky when he got that job uh, prior to the 2018 season. So for those of you that want to feel sorry for Matt Nagy, the things that work out tr- Trubisky, you don't know what you're talking about. That's horse crap. Well,
1: and also too remember that. And then, that's why I guy. brought up
0: the question for the last couple of weeks. Um, And I gave the history of what he did last year with Nick Foles. Nick Foles, do you trust Matt Nagy to develop Justin Fields Fields, uh, properly? Right now, I don't. And don't forget, folks, Matt Nagy's hot seat is still hot.
1: Well, and also to remember, too, that Trubisky wasn't his guy. He was already here by the time he got here. I get that, but
0: he was brought here to try to fix him. So that's why I don't feel sorry for Matt Nagy as far as that is concerned.
1: Well, now with uh, with that said, though, there are no excuses. This is a guy that Mm -hmm. he wanted. This is a guy he he thinks he can develop into the next Patrick Mahomes. Let's see we 're in show me mode now I know, I know i know bears fans are encouraged you know there's extra extra spring in their stuff but there's still mm-hmm. a lot that needs to be figured out here folks and i think that people look he looks good you know in mini camp i mean again it's mini camp you know rookie mini camp i mean you're gonna be playing
0: yeah they're you wearing know, helmets and shirts and shorts
1: yeah so they're not, they're not in pads yet so let, let's 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 you know let let look you can be encouraged you can be excited but let's you know let's Let's kind of taper off the excitement a little bit. Let's see what he does once, you know, training camp starts, once we get to see him in the preseason. Let's let's see what he can do. And and look, look, I think I'm cautiously optimistic, but again, we're still gonna be in the same, you know, place where we were last year. Now you have you mm-hmm. have you have no excuses now. You got your guy, develop him. That's all there is to yep. it. Also too, you know, Daz news so someone should you know, give him some great breakfast spots over in Chicago. I guess he was upset because there were no <laughs> waffles house waffle houses up here. The wide receiver from North Carolina. Um I I mean, like, I think somebody should, someone should have told him that uh, there are no um, waffle houses as far up north. So I know he's from Virginia originally. So and, mm-hmm. you know, he played North Carolina, of course. But I, I think people need to kind of like for, to tell him that there are no waffle houses as far. Look, like, we got a lot of great breakfast breakfast spots over here. Daz, you know, if you're going to if you're listening, i going to be watching this. So, you know, we got a lot of great breakfast spots. So. But yo, know, yeah. maybe maybe look, like, maybe the door for the Waffle House in your future. So look, if you're, the wall House folks are watching, maybe give them an endorsement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Google Map folks, Google Map.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, um, sports media news. All right, Sid, this is all you.
0: Uh, this comes to our friends from Awful Announcing. If this page can ever load up, uh, Fox Sports is planning on working on a, a documentary featuring. Uh, uh, their former broadcaster and former NFL head coach, and everybody's only favorite uh, video game, uh, John Madden. Mm-hmm. Of course, Madden was one of the first pioneers, uh, one of the first announcers that were that was hired for the NFL and Fox when they uh, started back in 1994. Him and Samura were the number one team from 1994 to the the end of the 2001 season when the Patriots won the Super Bowl over the wrench, which that game was also broadcasted on Fox. I, I want to see how they, uh, uh, how Fox handles this. I think they'll handle it with class, of course, after Madden uh, was let go. He kind of retired from Fox. Uh, some people say he was let go, but wherever the situation was, of course, that following season, you know, he was hired by Monday Night Football. And, of course, he worked there until 2006, and he was then hired for Sunday Night Football, which he retired following the 2009 season when the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, beat the Arizona Cardinals in that Super Bowl down in Tampa. Uh, people our age and older remember him as a broadcaster. If you looked at some of those programs, which I did growing up from NFL films, you knew his history as a uh, NFL head coach. You won a Super Bowl with the old Oakland Raiders back in the 70s. But I think mm-hmm. people Younger than us, especially with the kids, teenagers, and 20-year-olds coming up today, you just know him as uh, the face of Madden NFL video games. And I th- hopefully Fox, and I think they will tell the whole story of John Madden, not just him as the video game guy or as just as a broadcaster, but tell the stories uh, of him as an NFL head coach as well. I don't know if you got a chance to check out NFL Network's Football Life. If you didn't, I think you can catch it right here on YouTube. Um, they did a episode featuring john madden a few years ago and they had celebrities like ice cube and others uh nfl stars they taught them i think they did a decent job of going around uh of the whole introspective of his career not just as a broadcaster but as a coach and then, of course they brought up the video games they brought that up as well they didn't focus too much on that but i think they did a decent job as far as uh bringing up the whole introspective of, of his uh career so I'm interested to see what Fox does. Uh, We'll know uh, in the coming weeks when that documentary will be uh, shown, but I'm interested to see what Fox does here because he was one of the original guys hired to do games when the Fox uh, sports premiered with football in 1994.
1: Yeah. Tom Ronald is going to be doing the, going to be narrating it. So I'm sure he's going to do, you know, he'll make sure that they do right by Madden and everything else. I mean, He's not in the best of health right now, but you know look, he's still with us, which is great, and you know hopefully we'll get to maybe you know share his stories from through his own words. Cause I think that it is only fitting that you know it's only fair that we get to hear those you know stories through from tell it from his eyes and through his words, so I'm sure he's gonna you know share some great stories, you know both him you know when he was coaching, you know won a super Bowl to you know his long you know illustrious career. You know, calling games, you know, with Pat Summerall, you know, also to God rest his soul, also to Al, you know, Al Michaels. He did it for about a decade before he you mm-hmm. know, went back to Fox. So um, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to see how, how, I'm, look, I'm sure, you know, Fox is going to produce I'm sure Tom Rinaldi is going to be narrating it. So I'm sure, I'm sure they'll do right by him. I'm sure, I'm sure he and his family will do, will kind of have a lot to do with developing this doc. So I'm hope, I'm, 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 I'm going to go on a limb and say it's going to be pretty good. I think they'll do right by him.
0: Um, I think and I hope that you're correct. And they just tell everything. And I just hope I just hope as well that our younger, younger listeners and viewers, they get the whole introspective of John Mann's career. He's not just known as putting the face on a popular uh, football video game, but he also did some great things before uh, the development of the video game came about about some 25 plus years ago.
1: I, I, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll cover all of that. I'm sure that way younger people will see that. Look, he's, he was actually he was a pioneer in, in football, both was a coach and as a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that you know younger people will learn about his life and what all the accomplishments he has had.
0: Yeah, he, he, I know this is a dumb question, but I think, I think he's in a Pro Football Hall of Fame, correct? Mm-hmm. Good. He I is. thought so. Yeah. yeah. So, Sorry, yes. this is a part of the program that my brain runs at a thousand miles per hour. So <laughs> I just had to slow down a little bit. Also to Lakina, speaking of the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, Kevin Garnett will get a documentary. It will premiere on July 30th. Uh, it, it will premiere on Showtime called Anything's Possible. I'm really looking forward to that one.
1: And yeah, and for what I've read, he had a lot to do with the development of this this doc. So mm-hmm. I have no doubt that he's gonna make sure that they do it right. And look, I think, mm-hmm. look, I think that that, that say that he did after the after the the Celtics won that championship, where he finally got his championship. I think when he did the mm-hmm. interview with Michelle Defoy and said, "Look, anything's possible." You know, I think it's only funny that yeah, you know, he came from South Carolina, moved up here to Chicago for the last couple of years, and. Mm-hmm. In high school, to you know, going straight to the NBA and helping develop the Timberwolves, and you know, went to Boston, is up, you know, winning the title. So I think, look, I think his journey mm-hmm. has, you know, ha- is very, you know, interesting, and I'm sure we're going to find out some other interesting things that we never knew about him. So mm-hmm. he's, he, look, he said, look, no one will be, you know, you guys will not be disappointed. So and hopefully, I'm sure we won't be. I can't wait to. I'll definitely be DV- DVRing that that particular. Oh time yes. on, on Showtime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, shout-out to Showtime Sports. Uh, they've been stepping up with their documentaries in general, right. but, but particularly on the sports side with Ron Artest, yes. uh, the late Lawrence Phillips. They had the Notre Dame football documentary in there. They had the Baylor uh, basketball murder situation. Uh, they did a documentary on that. I still don't trust that head coach. Liar. Go look at a documentary yourself and you know why. <laughs> but uh, they've been stepping up over the last couple years uh, with their documentary. So shout-out to Showtime Sports.
1: Some great docs, and, and they're on YouTube. They're on their um, they're mm-hmm. on their on demand, and you know they're streaming. So if you haven't watched them, you can definitely check it out. So definitely, yeah. you know, definitely worth checking out. Um, let's see some other media news. Um, Chris Weber, who you know just got elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame, but also too is no longer, <laughs> no longer has a job with Turner. You know, his contract was not renewed. You know, he actually will not be participating in the the playoff, maybe a playoff. So, what do you think about that? I know, I know, some people kind of had like a love-hate relationship with, with C. Web doing television. So, I just want mm-hmm. to. You- guy
0: Tony Gill. We yeah, should bring him on. He'll rant yeah. about that. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm sure. <laughs> look, I'm sure he was probably already having a party about that. So, yep. what do you think about that news? <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm not gonna say I was shocked by I know uh if you read into the, the stories that uh, he was upset, uh Turner was upset that, that Weber gave him the the notice in the last uh minute that uh he was gonna do the college basketball tournament March Madness this year. So uh that kind of set Turner back. And I'm sure that was the final nail nail in the coffin. But if Chris Weber wants to do uh do broadcasting again, I'm sure he's gonna find somewhere else. Well ESPN bring him along to with Jalen Rose. Uh, this business is crazy. You never know. I'm not gonna put a uh, a d- dirt on it, but you never know. Will Chris, well, Chris, go over to Fox Sports. Who knows? Will the Sacramento Kings hire him to do their games with Doug Christie and Mark Jones? Mm-hmm. Who knows? So he has options if if he still wants to do it again. But uh, we shall see. We un- we all know, Lakin, that this business is, is crazy. So. Uh, We'll see what happens with Mr. Weber going forward if he should continue his broadcasting career. He was with Turner for 12, 13 years. I know no one expected him to be there that long, but uh, he did a heck of a job, uh, according to his bosses, up to this year.
1: Yeah, so definitely we'll see where the future goes for him when it comes to broadcasting. Also, too, one of the legendary broadcasters will be retiring after the, after the end of the season. Marv Albert, you know, just announced, it was announced over the weekend that mm-hmm. he is going to be retiring. I'm sure Turner's going to have, you know, a nice little, you know, tribute to him once they're done with their mm-hmm. their uh, broadcast for the season. But, look, I know how some people feel about it. You know, there's some stuff that came out in the late 90s that – maybe if it came out now we probably would never have seen him anymore but he was able to mm-hmm. kind of get off the spotlight for about a year and a half you know gotta you know got a new you know kind of got a new like a new career like a new um you know like a a rejuvenated career sort of a comeback yeah. if a comeback if you will you know for Turner mm-hmm. so look I think regardless of how you feel about that I mean he, he he had a really great career like almost 50 like a 50 like almost 60 year career I think so yeah yeah
0: yeah, he, uh, he was the soundtrack to our lives, looking especially during those Bulls championship runs in the 90s when NBC got the uh, network package from CBS prior to the 1991 season. Of course, many people thought he was the announcer for the Bulls when those games were on NBC along with uh, Mike Fratello during the first three P years for the Bulls. Of course, Marv worked with Matt Guggers and Bill Walden and Doug Collins uh, during the, the last uh, – Bulls um, championship run there in the late 96 with the exception of the 98 season, which was handled by Bob Costas. We won't get into that, but like you say, he, um, he had a great career. Uh, after that scandal, you guys look that up for yourselves, we won't discuss it here, but uh, Marvella did the Knicks from 67 to 2004, he did the the Brooklyn Nets now, but he did the New Jersey Nets game for a few years in the mid-2000s there, sharing the play-by-play duties with Ian Eagle, and of course uh, he was doing Turner, he also did the first few years of the March Madness tournaments when they premiered on Turner back in 2011, so this guy had a great career career. He also did NFL football for Westwood one and uh, the NFL and NBC when they were still doing Sunday afternoon games at the time. So uh, he had a, a, a long career salute to Mr. Albert. We gave a little tribute uh, in our last episode. He was a soundtrack to our lives and he will be missed. But congratulations to Mr. Albert on a great career.
1: And, you know, yeah, he should definitely get commended and applauded for all the career that he had. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, we talked about this. We talked about the scandal. We talked about, you know, that if there was a different time, then maybe we probably would never mm-hmm. see it anymore. But like I said, he was able to kind of rehab his image and, you know, have a nice mm-hmm. comeback. He also did, when we also did on the NFL and CBS for when they first got the, the coverage back. So
0: good. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, yeah. So definitely have, definitely, you know, call all types of sports and he should definitely, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure Turner's gonna do and have a nice little salute to him once they're done with their. Mm-hmm. Their, um, their and he coverage. also handled the
0: baseball coverage for yes, uh, the oh. old MLB on uh, NBC. Yes, um, Before did. they went off the air in '89. Yep. Yes,
1: I forgot about that. Thank you. Another good call. See, this we got each other's yep. back. See, when it comes to that. So- and we
0: are not using the Google machine, folks. No, we're
1: not. <laughs> all, all memory. Look, we're <laughs> we are a little bit older, but yeah, but we're still we got still got a little bit of memory left in them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. so a salute to a great career, and also he should be definitely mm-hmm. be applauded. I loved his his chemistry with. Mike Fratello during those Bulls in those mm-hmm. 90s, you know, when the NBA was, you know, sort of like, you know, mega popular on NBC. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely a nice salute to him and a great Hall of Fame career. Yeah. All right. All Come right. Looking to wrap it up. Couple of shouts, real quick, though. Shouts to Sam Houston State Bearcats with a with a K and kind the of a cast. You know, they they won the FCS title beating South Dakota State, which it'll, it'll be a, a really good game too. So you know, they played in Frisco, Texas. They had to wait about an hour because of some weather severe so, weather had hit the Texas mm-hmm. in the Texas in that area in Frisco, Texas. But it turned out it was a great game, and Isaiah Davis, you know, had three touchdown runs, a losing cost for the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. So it's gonna be a little bit of an undertaking for them because you know. They got to come right back and, you know, and, and play again later in the fall. So, we'll see, you know, give the guys a chance to heal. It. Also, Kyla Keeler, too, who joins Jim Trestle. It's just the second coach to win um, SCS titles with two schools. So, you know, also congrats to everybody on the team. Also, too, there will be no Triple Crown winner this year. Sorry, guys. I'm sure, look, I'm sure, like, deep town, I think they're happy about that. <laughs> we <laughs> all sudden, well, all of a sudden, that came out about, about D-way, D-Way Lucas, but, you know, Juan Bauer wins, you know, just edging out um, Medina Spirit to win the uh, the Preakness um, this past Saturday. Also, to Mike W. McCarthy, this is his first Triple Crown race win as a trainer. He has a couple of Breeders' Cup. This is his first Triple Crown um, race win. You know, been close a couple of times, so he should. You know, been around for a long time. He's actually unlike the unlike Bill, Bob Baffer, He's actually he's actually very well liked. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I'm sure people were very happy when you know his horse won. So a couple of shouts to them, to, to them, and you know, as a great a great and busy uh, weekend in sports. All
0: right, take us home.
1: All right, you follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kino's McGee on the IG.
0: You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at Sidkid80. Once again, at Sidkid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D eight zero. That's sidkid 8 K-I-D-80. excuse me. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos will drop every every Monday and every Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. A podcast version will drop every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, the audio version every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Which keeps you on to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Google Play and the iHeartRadio app. Just type in that search engine box on all podcast platforms, WARR on Anchor. And you can go to wearegalradio.com. And last but definitely not least, you can follow us on all social media platforms, including right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, comment, share, subscribe. As our good friend George Hoffman always says, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.
1: And as we kiss more kisses and take a bow, thank you for your support and yes. subscribe. So for Sid, on I know it's gonna be a little bit warmer for you know after you know next few days. So, but please be safe out there and. You know, wear your mask if you're not going to get vaccinated. If you're going to get vaccinated, still be safe, though, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, for Sid, I'm McKean. This is the Second Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you this weekend.
0: Don't forget, our next episode, we'll have our NBA playoff preview show with some exciting guests and analysts. Until then, till next time, holla!